Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. I'm not sure uh, where you stand on uh, that particular uh, debate, but uh, I do welcome you here today to City of Life. Welcome to everyone. Give yourself a hand for coming on the time change. You came on the time change day. That's big right there. For those of you that are up today watching online, if you're wondering, it's cold here. It's early. We lost an hour, but it's a perfect day for church. We're happy to be in the place. We're glad you tuned in with us. I believe the Spirit of God is moving today in this room. I believe he's moving online to the people that are watching, and uh, I thank you for joining us today. Uh, Holy Spirit, just move, continue to move in this room. Uh, we need hope, we need truth, we need life today. Uh, I pray in Jesus' name you would just come into the middle of circumstances, heal brokenness, heal wounds, uh, reveal yourself as our living hope, Jesus. We just ask that. Help these words to not just be a message, but be something that comes alive in people's hearts. We thank you for lives that will be changed in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Come on. Say amen. Amen. Well, hey, today, uh, if you have never got a chance to meet with our team and, and maybe never met me, met, met my wife, uh, I really want to ask you to go to Cracker Barrel or something after this service is over with. Come back after the 1130 service. After our 1130 service, we have our welcome home party today where uh, our team is going to get a chance to meet people. It's going to be right outside. It should warm up a little bit by then. Uh, we planned the outside thing when we thought it was spring break, but hey, here's how it works. Anyways, uh, we look forward to getting a chance to, to meet. We're going to be a lot of people out there to talk with you, say hello to you. Our welcome home parties are very, very fun. Going to have a time of connecting, finding out more about what the church is all about, how to get connected, move to the next level. Uh, to be involved at City of Life. So I invite every person here. Also, dudes, uh, not this Friday, but next Friday, we have MMA. It is our men's night, and uh, it's going to be at 7 o'clock. This is going to be an unbelievable opportunity for guys in our church to meet other guys who are Christians and, and need relationship, godly friendships and relationships. The Bible says iron strengthens iron. It sharpens iron. So we need to get around other people that sharpen us in our faith. We've got all kinds of cool stuff planned. Uh, there's going to be competitions there, uh, food there. It's just going to be fantastic. So I'm inviting everyone to come. Uh, I can't wait. Okay, this series called Should. Uh, last week when I preached, I called my dad on the way home. I was like, Dad... What was that? I mean, I, what do you think about that? I, you know, it's kind of a different kind of series, you know, getting so detailed on, on the particulars of whether God exists and uh, kind of digging into worldviews, almost getting into a little bit of philosophy. I was like, Dad, did I, what, what do you think? He's like, he's like, well, it was, I think, he goes, I believe that there are some people that really, really need to hear that. And I, I was kind of struggling a little bit because it's not your typical hallelujah kind of message. But I want to tell you guys. I got messages all week from people who were either atheists or who were Jehovah's Witness or grew up in a different background that gave their heart to Jesus last week and committed their life to Christ. So we're, we saw people's lives transformed and changed uh, last week. And I believe that as we continue on this journey, it's going to speak to more people. It's going to help strengthen us in our faith. So I just encourage you as we're digging down into the, this, this question of why should we do things? What is the reasoning behind why we do things as Christians? And what's the difference between our reasoning 
and the reasoning that other people have that are not Christians. And what's the difference between a Christian who's living the way they're supposed to live according to God's word and a Christian who might be adjusting things to fit their own personal preference? And how do we get in line with the way God says we should be living? Uh, my text last week was Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone to believe that believes. Verse 17 says, for in, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Uh, by the way, I love that so much that the, really the whole Bible, if you want a little nugget here, the whole Bible is about an unfolding of God's holiness. The whole entire Bible is about God revealing to mankind how holy he is. It's a process of us figuring it out. He helps us do that and not only understand it, but experience it through Jesus. But it says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. From first to last, just as written, the righteous will live by faith. Then he says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Somebody say, suppress the truth. Somebody say, hold the beach ball under the water. That's the analogy you should think of when thinking of suppressing the truth. It's like an enormous beach ball. ...that you try to hold under the water. And if you've ever sat on a beach ball... ...you can do it for a second until a wave comes. But then when the wave comes... ...your feet go up and your head goes down. That's the way it works. And in the same way... ...people have an ability for a time... ...to suppress the truth... ...by living out their own wicked lifestyle. And what we're doing is we're taking the truth... ...that is evident to us by God. How is it evident? Verse 19 says... ...since what may be known about God is plain to them... Because God has made it plain. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. I read it again this week because I think it's important for us to understand how clear the Bible is from a biblical standpoint. The Bible is telling us that all men know God exists. All humankind knows that God exists by the things that we see. He reveals his nature to us. And if we say we don't believe it, we're actually suppressing the truth that we already know inside of us. Now, in this video, Lou and uh, Franco are arguing about a very important topic, uh, Mar Marvel versus DC. I happen to like DC. I have always liked DC. And it's funny because I'll get in these conversations with people about Marvel. And I, I kind of like a more serious movie. And sometimes Marvel, it's, it's not that I don't like Marvel. I do like Marvel. It's just sometimes it's a little comical and, and, and cheesy and puns and stuff all over the place. And so that's just not my preference of type of movie compared to some of the DC movies I really like, like the Dark Knight trilogy. So it's interesting. When you could talk, you could, if you're interested in that, come to the welcome home party. I'll school you on DC instantly. It'll be really fun. I can't wait to meet you. Uh, no, I'm joking. But the point is you get into conversations where people have strong opinions and there may not really be a right answer. And in that particular case, you're dealing with a subjective issue it, because it's about the subject. It's all about the subject's opinion on a particular thing. Like there are people here uh, who like certain types of food. Uh, some people like grew up, like my grandparents used to eat chicken liver all the time. Uh, but there might, and I heard, you know, people, ugh, they say, oh, gross. And you say, but there are probably people, you don't have to reveal yourself in this room, who love chicken liver. Do you want to reveal yourself? Because that'd be kind of fun if you did. There's a, okay, so there's a couple of people. Yeah, good, give them a hand for being strong. Right? That's, that's cool. I like that. But 
Okay, so the point is, it's not an objective fact. An objective truth means that, okay, let me give you an objective truth. That it is just a fact no matter what. Diet Mountain Dew is the greatest drink in the history of the world. That's in the Bible. So we know it's objective because God said it. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's not in the Bible, but God does know that. Uh, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, it's not. It's not objective at all. That's purely a subjective truth because I am the subject in the case, and I'm saying that I think that Diet Mountain Dew is the absolute greatest drink in the world, and I do believe that. Uh, but, but when you get over into objective truths, now you're dealing with things that are concrete. And I have a question for you today. What do you do when you start having disagreements with people in the world about what objective truth actually is, where do you draw the line between Marvel and DC and Diet Mountain Dew and, I don't know, whatever it is that you drink that's so inferior to that? What, what, where, what do you do when you, you get to those issues where you start getting into life issues, important issues about the way we live and whether you think a particular thing is wrong or I think it's wrong. It's, it's scary to me because Judges chapter 17 verse 6 says, In those days Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Don't we kind of live in that world right now? Aren't we kind of living in a world where we're a little bit tempted to get TikTok ethics? Aren't, aren't we kind of in a place now where we're seeing an inundation of ideas and morality and values that everyone says this is right, this is right, this is right, and it's coming at us from every direction, and if we're not careful, it begins to shape what we believe is right, and rather than getting our objective truth, we are making subjective truth objective in our own life. We're calling subjective truth objective truth. And it's massively, massively dangerous. So should, the, re the reason this is called should is should is a word that reveals our worldview. There's something underneath that word uh, that we have to dig into. Where is it coming from? Uh, in the case of a Christian, we believe not only that there is a God, last week I talked about the Kalam's cosmological argument, and we kind of in a general sense, uh, I didn't dig too deeply into it, but just kind of made a case for, for God using the universe coming into existence. Whether you're an atheist or uh, a Christian, most people, like most, most, most people in the world, believe that the universe began to exist somehow. A very few people believe in a truly infinite universe because the Kalam cosmological argument says that everything that begins to exist has a cause. And the second point of that argument is the universe began to exist. So if you're a Christian and you believe that God spoke it into existence and created it, then you have to, you know, you admit that. If you're an atheist and you believe in the Big Bang, uh, that there was, even if there was a singularity at one time, it still something had to begin to exist. Uh, so everything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. And then point three is the universe has a cause. 
And then you kind of go on after that and you begin to say, well, if something caused it, then it has to be something that's outside of time, space, and matter. It has to be a personal being that created it with intentionality. And really the only thing we can come close to defining that as would be God. So that's just a basic case for God. But as Christians, we not only believe in God, we believe that he is a God that wants to be known, that has revealed himself through his written word. There are longings in us. There are things in us as human beings that are common to most of us. We want purpose in life. We know there, are, there is meaning in things. When we have interactions and we see someone for the very last time, we, in our heart, it would really truly break our heart if we thought, I will never in all of eternity see this person again. But somehow we know. Even people that don't believe in God says, he's with you. They're with you. Well, what does that even mean if you don't believe if, if you literally believe that we just completely evolved randomly, that everything is just this, uh, this war of, of the strongest getting on top and just everything completely fades away and becomes a part of the universe and, and loses consciousness, then how can you say that there's something else beyond that? You say, well, we don't know. No, we do know. And that's exactly what the Bible is all about. We believe that truth comes from a higher authority we believe in divine command we believe that God is good we believe that fundamentally he defines good he doesn't just do good he is the embodiment of good God is love God is holy everything that is objectively true and pure in this world comes from God. Everything that is objectively right and valuable in this world is because God is objectively holy and pure. So his authority is the authority by which we define right and wrong. His authority is the authority that we, sub we must submit ourselves to if we are ever going to know truth. That's the hardest part. For us is we don't want to submit. I talked last week about that little boy one time who stood with his arms folded and he said, you're not the boss of me. And I said that we have to really admit in life that we don't like to submit. We don't want to submit to a higher authority. But we, we recognize when we see someone doing something great, we recognize that it comes from somewhere. Let me tell you a story about some people who had their own, they had their own truth that they had developed. They had a moral relativism that they had developed in their life, the Pharisees. The Pharisees took their position, and even though they saw Jesus operating with a tremendous anointing on their life, on his life, and they, they could not deny what he was doing, they knew that they didn't have the whole story. They knew that there was some growth that needed happening to their life. Remember, Jesus was Jewish. Je Jesus didn't come to abolish Judaism, Jesus came to validate it. He came to basically say, I am the Messiah that Judaism had promised the whole time. So these men had hard hearts and refused to learn. So they saw Jesus and listen how, what happens when you develop your own standards. Listen what happens when you develop your own sense of morality. Oh, well, I think everyone should just be able to do what they want to do. Really? Well, what if someone wants to go punch you in the face? 
I would love to see if you are willing to adhere to your own high standard if someone comes in the middle of the night and, and steals your car. If you say, we, we should all be able to do what we want. No, no, you're not. You're going to try to go prosecute them. What happens if somebody lies about you? Are you going to adhere to that? I think everyone should be able to do what they want to do. No, that's not true. When you develop that, that uh, relativism in your life, this is what you become. Luke 20 says, one day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and the courts proclaimed, first of all, I've, I think this might be, and I'm not even joking with you, straight up, I think this is the most serious burn in the Bible. Like, like what, the way Jesus burns these guys is so movie worthy. It's, it's, it's the dopest, hardest line I have ever seen in my entire life. And it just ends like that. He is just, Jesus, Jesus is, I, I'm just trying to be respectful here. He is just, let's just say he's awesome, okay? He, Jesus is awesome the way he does it. It says, one day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and the teachers of the law together with the elders. Think of all these people. Chief priests, teachers of the law, elders. All these people can't stand him. They come up to him, tell us, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? They see that he's got power in his life. They see he's doing incredible things. By the way, people that see God moving, that have already decided in their heart that Jesus is not for them, they will not submit. They will not submit to his authority. That's the attitude they always come to God with. They say, but what is this authority all about? Tell me, what is this authority? Uh, but I love this. Jesus always answers a question with a question. There was a joke when I was growing up. I'm not, it's not sacrilegious, but it said that the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, why do you always answer a question with a question? And Jesus said, why do you ask? <laughs> I always thought that was a pretty funny joke. But in the same, in the same way, it says, he re, they said, who gave you this authority? And he replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me. John's baptism, we're talking about John the Baptist, who, who was beheaded and, and people rejected his baptism. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Okay, so now Jesus has asked a question. Oh, this is so smart. Listen to what they do. They get in a group. They, they come over together like Family Feud. You ever seen Family Feud before? <laughs> It's like when the question is asked, you get in a group and you start coming up, one, one person comes up with an argument, they go, yeah, but if you, that's literally what happens. It says, they discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven that John the Baptist was from heaven, he'll say, then why didn't you believe him? Because we didn't. We didn't believe in John the Baptist the same way we don't believe in him. But because they're in front of all these people that are watching. But if we say that John was of human origin, all these people will stone us because they believe that John was a prophet. So it was a, a no-win situation. So, you know, I don't know who got elected to give the, the answer, the guy that walks up. Uh, but, but the guy that comes up and he says, we don't know where it was from. And listen to what, listen what my man says. He goes, then I won't tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. <laughs> he said, no, you ain't getting no free answer. You got to answer something first. Before I answer, first of all, he didn't answer because they didn't want to know. They didn't want to know. All they wanted to do was trap him. And this is actually the spirit of most people that have an, a heart that has already decided against God. That's why we have to be cautious how deeply we go into conversations 
with people that we know are not interested. One of the better ways, I believe, to talk to certain people that are really not interested, and I will have a genuine conversation with someone that wants to engage and that I get a chance to truly engage and ask them questions, I don't mind doing that. But I don't like having conversations when people are trying to make a point and just not listen to each other and shut each other down. That's, Jesus didn't engage in that, and I won't either. Uh, so I think it's really important to know that this kind of morality that is just flexible in our world, it's so, so dangerous. Uh, but I think one of the greatest arguments for God is not simply the cosmological argument that you know, the universe began to exist, but I believe that the moral argument, we're talking about morals today. I believe the moral argument is very, very compelling. And here's the way the moral argument would go. By the way, you know, I, I said last week, I love, uh, you know, Will, William Lane Craig. I think he's a, a brilliant apologist. He's fantastic. And he, he states this very eloquently. But I love this idea. He says, if God does not exist, objective moral values and duties do not exist. So let, let's think about that for a second. If God does not exist then there's no such thing as objective moral values and duties, okay? Then we go to number two and say, but objective moral values and duties do exist. Okay, now here's why this is problematic for someone that doesn't believe in God. Is someone that doesn't believe in God, they know that objective values exist. Not only do they exist, they feel compelled to do them. Most people, now, so I think this is important to know that as Christians or, or, or people that believe in God, we're not saying that uh, atheists or people that don't believe in God can't be moral people. As a matter of fact, some people that are atheists are more moral than I am or more moral than you are. That's the hard part of being a Christian is knowing that God chose weak people. And it's by Jesus and his love and his grace for me that I'm justified. It's not because I'm a good person. It's because Jesus is good. So there are people out there that do many more, you know, wonderful humanitarian things and maybe don't even have some of the vices or habits that some of us have. But that's not the point. We have to have Jesus in our life. That's the most important thing is that we have to have Jesus. So here's the thing is we're not saying they can't be moral, but, but, but what we have to get to and dig into here is that they must admit that some things are inherently simply true. And you have to ask, well, if God doesn't exist, where does that truth come from? If something is just simply true, like, for instance, let's use an example. I think most of them would admit murder is wrong. Okay, murder is wrong. So they're having to admit in that case that objective moral values exist. Murder is wrong. But the question is, if God doesn't exist, where do you get this idea that murder is wrong? And, and there's all kinds of, now we get into levels of philosophy here where people will, uh, you know, natural realists and things like that, where people say that, or I talked about utilitarianism last week, basically saying that uh, what's good for the whole of humanity is the best thing. So therefore we should do this or we should do that for everyone's benefit. But that still doesn't mean that there's this objective truth. That means that you think for the benefit of all people that you should just do what benefits the most people. That's different than saying something simply is true. Is murder wrong or not? Is lying wrong or not? 
is stealing something from someone wrong or not? And I think you're running into ideas here where people know that it's wrong. They know that they cannot justify that behavior, but they don't want to admit that objectively that truth exists because God says it. They want to say, well, I know it's wrong, and it's wrong for me, and it's wrong to me. Well, here's the problem when you really dig into that idea. Why is it wrong for the person that believes it's right? I understand that you may say this particular thing is wrong, but if no objective truth exists and everything is relative to what we believe, then why is the person that's stealing for themselves, why is it wrong to them if they believe it's right? Without a standard, without a straight edge, which is God's word, which is God's truth, his word has to be the straight edge by which we sharpen our lives. If it's not, then we become the straight edge. That is dangerous. It is very, very dangerous if we are the straight edge and not God's word. So, I mean, you're getting into situations here where it's like you start going, if, if objective moral truth doesn't exist, then the people that did the Holocaust... We're doing the right thing according to them, and who are you to criticize them? That's really what you're digging into. Is I, I, I hate to use the Hitler example. I know it's, it's something that comes up in almost every one of these discussions, but the truth is it's, it's one of the most extreme examples we can come up with, and it's true. If no objective truth exists, then what they did to them, they felt it was right. To them, it was right, but we know that's not true. We know that it was evil. So this... Moral argument says if God does not exist, objective moral values and duties do not. And by the way, it's not just simply defining because some people will say that things like justice, uh, mercy, you know, uh, kindness, that objectively they do exist in us as humans. That's one thing if they, you could even concede that, but it doesn't say just objective moral values exist. It says it, moral values and duties it means not only they exist, but we should do them. So, I mean, even if you conceded to someone that you can get to objective moral truth without God, you will not concede that you should have duties to do them. That's, that's where we get into that Hitler conversation. Is What tells me just because something is true or it's, you know, in, in some way that I should be compelled to do that? Th then you get into what's called Hume's guillotine like David Hume when he talked about you can't derive an ought from an is and, and he was an atheist who, who, who said that you can't derive an ought from an is and, and that's really important for us to know that that duties tell us what we actually should do so if God does not exist objective moral values and duties do not exist objective moral values and duties do exist is number two and then number three therefore God exists I love that because somewhere somebody's going to have to admit that they're wrong. <laughs> uh, Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. And I want to tell you today that the answer for us in all of this, when finding truth in our life, is not just an idea. It's not just a worldview that we can wrap our brains around. It's a person. And he is a person that we can build our lives around. And he said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way. Think about that for a second. 
I mean, I know we hear it all together so many times, but he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is no way to access all the truth. There is no way to access the holiness. There is no way to access all the things that really matter in life unless you go through Jesus. And he's the very person that everyone wants to keep at a distance. You know, admitting that he is the truth requires something that we don't want to do. It requires humility. We have to humble ourselves before this God. We have to humble ourselves and admit that we're not pure enough to make those kinds of judgment calls. We have to admit that we're not moral enough to move everything around when we see fit. Culture is not smart enough. Even when you look at, you know, Steven Pinker, people like that, who, uh, the, the renowned atheist who's done, who've done a, a lot, has done a lot of research on the progress of humanity as a whole, just that, that his, his argument is that humanity keeps getting better and better, richer and richer, more prosperous, more healthy as a whole, so that there must be something inherently good about humanity. I think even when you admit that, we still have these deep inner problems where we cannot feel like we're valuable and we're worth something. We still have this need to praise. We still have this hardwired thing in us to give glory to someone that is beyond us. We still know that there is design and beauty all around us that is not accidental. And, you know, Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 12, there's this story where Jesus says, he tells a story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance <laughs> and looked down their noses at common people. Here's the story he told. Now, now you have to understand, so many people, th this is what's ironic about modern culture, Western culture these days, the culture that we're living in, is everyone is so proud of themselves morally. Oh, and, and we, you know, everyone posts everything, what they do, and I voted this way, and I went to this place, and look what I did, and I stood up for justice, and I blah, blah, blah. And everyone is just so on uh, high horses about morality. But, but look, look at what, what Jesus is saying here about those kinds of people. It says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other man was a tax man. Okay, so we have to understand in culture who these people represented. A Pharisee is a religious leader, a tax collector, and a tax man is one of the most hated men in the culture. A crook, a literal crook who stole money and extorted people. That's the, that's the two different people that Jesus is telling a story about. And it says, the Pharisee posed, I like that in this version, and prayed like this, oh God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people. Robbers, crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid, like this tax man. I fast twice a week and tithe all my income. Meanwhile, the tax man slumped in the shadows. Important to note the difference in their posture because posing is an active thing that you're doing. Slumping is a passive thing that you're doing. You're proud of yourself when you're posing. When you're slumping, you're, it, it's a more of a humble position where pride does not really factor into the equation. It says, slumped in the shadows, his face 
in his hands, not daring to look up, said, God, give me mercy. Forgive me, a sinner. Jesus commented, this tax man, not the other, went home made right with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, this is Jesus speaking, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to, to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. The first example is an example of embracing your truth. That is why you need to call out this phrase every time you hear it. And don't use the phrase, my truth. We talk about the truth. Jesus is the truth. So the first is an example of your truth. The, sec the second is an example of embracing the truth. And, you know, moral relativism seems so humble because it says, oh, don't ever put down anyone's worldview. Don't you ever put down anyone's worldview. Well, I'm sorry, but you're putting mine down. You can't even uphold the advice that you're giving to me right now by saying that I can't have an exclusive claim on truth, if you're, t if you're a moral relativist or you're telling a Christian, you, no one has an exclusive claim on truth. That is an exclusive truth claim. Right? By telling someone they don't have an exclusive truth claim, you're saying that you're making an exclusive truth claim. That's the scary part. So, Moral relativism is the one that's always making objective truth claims. We need truth. But we can only find it in Jesus. Coming up with our own truth, that's a slippery slope. I've got something next week that I want to share with you. By the way, we shared that funny video because I knew we wouldn't be laughing a lot in this uh, <laughs> message today other than the Diet Mountain Dew jokes. Uh, but I do think next week is gonna be really cool. And I'm gonna tell you how we can tell that our faith is the true faith. I'm gonna tell you some ineffective ways to deal with religion. And uh, I'm going to basically break down things about Christianity that are unique only to Christianity. No other worldview has the, the four things I'm gonna talk about next week. Uh, so I want to entice you to keep on this journey with us. And I, I understand guys that some of this information is uh, you know, it can be taxing to our brain with, with a time change and it's cold outside and you're just hungry and stuff right now. But I, I'm, I just ask you to go back and watch it again. Uh, dig in, get into these scriptures. There's a lot of scriptures. Remember, uh, as, as a pastor, it's, it's really my responsibility to, to lead you into truth and it's your responsibility to go absorb that and to learn it. So write down the texts that I'm giving. Uh, go study them in your devotional time. Pray about those things. Uh, find practical ways to apply these truths uh, to your life so we can be changing every day. So just think about this week. Every time you use that word should, 
every time you hear someone say the word should, see if you can see if you can dig down into that a little bit to try to find out what I wonder what they mean by that. Let me compare that with some other should statements they've made. Let me compare my should to some other should. I, I, I love this. This is cute. My daughter Mia, uh, she uses the she since she was like seven years old. She's used this uh, phrase should a lot. And, and here's, here's, what, here's the way she'll do it. She'll go, you know, uh, we should go to Shake Shack. And do you know what I say to that? I agree. Let's go right now. Uh, absolutely. Just a cute way that, that from the time she was little, she, she, she wouldn't say, can we go do this or that? She'd say, we should. And I like it because it's a compelling argument. And I, it just makes you feel like there's some objective truth there. And you just go, yes, I totally agree. But, but think about that this week as you're, as you're saying that word. Let's dig down into where truth really, really comes from. And I submit to you today that truth comes from the person that is Jesus. Uh, by the way, he loves you today. He cares for you today. You're important to Jesus. Uh, those of you that are watching online, stick with us for a second here. I want to pray for you and give you an opportunity to know the Lord. How do we do that? We do what that tax man did. <laughs> It's really the only way to know God is to humble ourselves before him and say, I am so tired of moving these goalposts around in my life. I'm so tired of reinventing history. I'm so tired of trying to find meaning in whatever little area I've carved out. I need truth in my life. And God, you created me. You created the universe. And if you designed me, it, meant, it means you had a purpose for me. I'm willing to submit to that purpose, even if it makes me uncomfortable, because I want to know you. I want to be like you. I want to fulfill the purpose for my life. That's a reason for you to know Jesus today, to submit your life to Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Savior. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He is God's plan, plan of salvation. So if you could bow your heads and close your eyes, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus or you're watching online and you do not know Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to do something I haven't asked in this building in a long time, maybe in two years. But I'm gonna ask if you don't know Jesus today and you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you just stand up? No one's looking around right now. Would you just stand up all over the room? Come on, I don't care if there's one person, three people, five people, whatever, just stand up. Amen, there's, there's some people standing over there. If you're online, would you just stand up online? There's someone else that's standing up right there. Thank you so much, the Lord sees you right now. Anyone else today that would just stand for the Lord and say, I need Jesus in my life. I feel that's important because I feel like today is a moment where there, there's three more people that stood up over there. Anyone else that, online, just type that in the chat, type I'm standing so people can know that you're making a commitment to Jesus. I believe, I'm gonna ask you just real quick, would you guys step out from where you are, just come right down. I wanna see you right here at the front. Just give them a hand as they come. Just quickly step out from where you are, just come down right here, please. Yeah, yeah, just come right here, come on. There you go, yeah, come on, give them a hand as they come. Just right here, I wanna pray with you guys. That takes a lot of boldness. The Bible says if you stand before the Lord in front of men, right here, Anyone else today? Anyone else today that would come? Anyone else today that would come? Amen. 
there's someone else coming right there, I'm gonna count to three. Just look at someone next to you, and if you need someone to walk with you, just say, would you walk up there with me? I don't want you to miss this opportunity of what God is doing here today. Anyone else, I'm gonna count to three, and don't miss this, there's really, this is really special right here. One, anyone else? Okay, there's someone else. Two, there's someone else right there, come on, anyone else? I don't wanna miss it. There's someone right there in the back. Come on, give her a hand as well. Multiple people coming down here today. The power of God. Could you guys look at me in the front here? The power of God is on your life right now. God is moving in you. And, and he loves you and cares for you more than you can imagine. I do not think in any sense, if you analyze what is going on right now, that you are caught up in emotionalism. What you are caught up in is what the Holy Spirit is doing on the inside of you. You have lived a life just like me. I lived a life that was so discontent. I was not comfortable. And by the way, there's someone else. Could you give this gentleman a hand too? He's coming down here. I was discontent with the life I had lived without Jesus. And there's a hole in our heart until we know Jesus that nothing can replace. So I believe your lives are about to change right now in Jesus' name. So would you pray this prayer with me? Would you lift your hands up and say, Jesus, Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I'm inviting you into my life. I'm confessing my sins. I can't do it without you. I ask you right now to be my Lord and Savior. I need to be under your authority. Be my truth so I can live my life by your standards. I believe in you to the core of who I am. I can feel your love surrounding me. You're giving me a brand new heart, a brand new purpose, and a brand new life. Everything changes. The vices from my past are broken right now. Everything from my past is broken right now. Today is a brand new start. I have a clean heart, a brand new path that is set before me, and I will walk out your purpose with passion. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, could you give God a great praise today? Amen. Praise God, y'all. Love you guys. Appreciate you. Pastor Amanda, you can... This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.